You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Live from Chicken Town, this is the Flopcast, episode 605. On Flopcast.net. Yes, yes. Hello, Cornflake. Well, hey there, Kevin. Hi. Uh, festive Flopcast coming up right now. And before we get into uh, the very festive main event, Cornflake, what is National Whatever Day? National Whatever Day! Well, I've gone and made National Whatever Day a little bit festive, too, because I have here... What I would describe as an almost milestone birthday, but I figure, why wait until she turns 80 next year? Let's celebrate Brenda Lee right now as she turns 79 on December 11th. Okay, that's a good one. That is very festive. Rock and roll Hall of Famer. Rolling Stone has recognized her as one of the greatest singers of all time, and she popped up in the news recently. Did you hear about this? If you're thinking of the same thing I am, then yeah, has she just finally hit number one, right? She has 65 years after Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree from 1958 came out in all of its classic holiday goodness. It has, all these years later, finally topped the Billboard Hot 100 chart for the first time. And this is because of the weirdness of the pop charts these days and the way things are tracked with streaming and whatnot. It's a whole new game as far as how, how songs can chart. And so, yeah, it, at Christmas time now, all these Christmas songs come racing to the top of the chart. And Mariah, certainly. Uh, but yeah, Brenda had never hit number one before, but now she did. So congratulations. Correct. And you mentioned Mariah Carey. She was the one who recently held the record between a time, I think, that a song was released and then hit the number one. And I think it was 25 years or something like that. And now Brenda Lee has gone and doubled it. It's the longest span of time between number ones on the chart for Brenda Lee, too, because her last ones were in the 60s, like, yeah. I'm sorry, and I want to be wanted. You know, I listened to that show Hit Parade, the uh, podcast about the pop charts, and they, they did a Christmas episode a couple of years ago and, and talked about Brenda and uh, her big rocking around the Christmas tree song, of course. And I had no idea she was still alive yeah. <laughs> until that episode. I was like, well, of course she's not around it, but oh, yes, she is. Wow. Yeah, like she started her career so young. I think she recorded Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree when she was like 13 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she was crazy young when she was uh, ruling the pop charts back in the day. Yes, way younger than, than you'd think because she didn't sound young. No, not at all. And in fact, I'm Sorry wasn't released right away because they felt like she was too young to be singing about the, the subject matter of the song. <laughs> so they actually held it back for a couple of years because of that. But from her voice, you go back and listen to Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree now. That does not sound like any 13-year-old I've ever met. No, no. But yeah, she was young. She was tiny, I believe. A tiny lady. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> currently she's still like... 
she was tiny then and she's like maybe five foot now. She's <laughs> she's fascinating. You see now why I couldn't wait till next year to talk about this one, right? I think you made the right call. Let's celebrate the birthday of Brenda Lee right now while she's celebrating her uh, long-delayed number one hit song, Sure. Do you think Sponge Awareness, you know, because Sponge Awareness, we have a, a Christmas song. Do you think we can break Brenda's record now and go even longer before finally reaching number one? I don't know. It takes an awful lot to do battle with Mariah Carey. It's going to take a few more decades, but I think eventually the public's going to come around and embrace Sponge Awareness holiday music. Maybe if you and Ed dress up in red velvet suits like Mariah Carey, I think you could do it. I think that can be arranged. (laughs) We just had Ed here last week. If only we'd suited up (laughs) like Mariah for a big sponge awareness photo shoot. Well, maybe next year. All right. Happy birthday, Brenda Lee. That is a perfect, very, very festive whatever day. But let's move on to uh, the business we have to take care of today. And this is something, is this, I think, the third time we've done this? At least. At least the third. I'm going to say third. Maybe it's the fourth. I did not go back and check. But this is something that uh, it's become a holiday tradition around here. You call it a tradition. I call it a chore no one else will take on. (laughs) It's a miserable, grueling (laughs) task, which we have somehow saddled ourselves with. Although we do not watch the Hallmark Christmas movies. You don't watch them. I don't watch them. And yet we dedicate a whole show to them every year. There's something seriously wrong with us. And (laughs) it's happening again. And that's the Hallmark movies, the Lifetime movies, and there's a whole bunch of different, the streaming channels and the cable channels, and they all crank out these uh, goofy romantic comedy holiday movies every year. They're all the same. And every year I'm astonished by just how many of them there are, because it's literally over a hundred new movies are produced every year. That's too much. It's difficult to fathom how many of these identical romantic Christmas movies are out there. But they have their audience and people love them. People enjoy them. There seems to be an inexhaustible demand. I mean, who am I to talk? My bar is pretty low for entertainment. So I really can't. (laughs) I can't give anybody else a hard time about what they like. But yeah, you're you're on YouTube watching ant farms. Yep. Meanwhile, we're like, what's wrong with all these people that want to watch a Christmas movie? Who are we to judge? Anyway, let's get back to judging. So there's all these ridiculous Christmas movies. And what what we've done uh, is we we try to fix them. And we're going to try to fix them again this year. So I went through the list. I went through a giant list of over 100 new TV Christmas movies that are coming out this year. And I narrowed it down to just a few. I selected eight. And we're going to read a description of the movie And then we're going to figure out how do we make it better? How do we make this into a movie that you and I would enjoy? And the way we're going to do that is we're going to introduce a new rogue element into each movie. And I'm going back to, you know, slips of paper in coffee mugs, which is the the main way that we do things around here. We're pretty high tech. And so it's back to the mugs. I've got some little slips of paper. I wrote something on each slip of paper, just some element to add randomly to these movies. And then we shall discuss and debate and see if we can create a decent movie out of these. Will it be a bug? Will it be a feature? We don't know. First movie on my list is called Checking It Twice. 
And a lot of these movies, they just, they'll pull out a snippet of a song lyric like that, you know, and then they just reverse engineer an entire movie out of it. I think that's what happened here is, you know, they come up with the title first and then they work backwards to crank out yet another movie. This is called Checkin' It Twice, and that's Checkin' N apostrophe, Checkin' It Twice, uh, starring two people I've never heard of. <laughs> and the description is, a journeyman hockey player falls for a real estate agent in a career crisis when he's traded to her hometown and moves into the cottage in her hockey-loving family's backyard. So we have a woman, real estate agent, a hockey player has moved into her backyard. That's the premise. Checking it twice. Okay, so now we know what the check-in is about. Well, yeah, they, they came up with the name checking it twice and decided, well, there's checking in hockey. That's when you smash into a guy. That's called checking. Yeah. That's nearly the only thing I know about hockey. And so they thought, all right, we're going to have a hockey player living in your backyard. Uh, what do you think? Does this sound like a decent movie at this point? It'd be better if the hockey player always wore a mask and creeped around at night. This, I think I saw that movie. Uh, <laughs> checking it twice. And, and it's, it describes it as a hockey-loving family. Yeah. So they must be very excited that a, a, a hockey player has moved into the backyard. I just, this sounds like a disaster. <laughs> I would flood the backyard, you know, turn it into a giant skating rink. Oh, ice rink. I'll bet that happens in the movie. Let's hope. So that's what we're dealing with anyway, Cornflake. Checking it twice. Now I'm going to go to one of our little slips of paper here, and we are going to uh, randomly insert some new element into the movie, which is hopefully going to make it a little better. Because right now... I'm interested, but that doesn't sound like much. Let's add something to it. I have drawn Robolar. Robolar from Mars. Robolar makes everything better. We've used Robolar in the past, haven't we? I think I feel like we've added Robolar to Christmas movies in the past. Probably. And it's happening again. I notice in this description, there's nothing about Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds more like it's a seasonal movie. They forgot to work the holiday into the description of the movie. Robolar from Mars, if anyone doesn't remember, because it's been a while since we've, we've discussed Robolar incessantly around here, but not, not recently. It was a PSA that aired around the Boston area many years ago, and it's just a goofy guy in a Martian suit who uh, discovers fruits and vegetables and teaches the kids about nutrition. Don't just eat candy bars. Have some earth fruit. Greetings, Earthlings! I'm Robolod. I'm from Mars, and I eat all kinds of candy bars! What is this? Some Earth fruit? Mmm, it is good! Mmm, it's better than good! It's yummy and not bad! Oh, wait till I tell the other Martians about this! By only eating candy bars, we don't know what we missed! Now, Robolar, we're gonna add into the hockey movie. How's this going to work? Is Robolar the real estate agent? Is <laughs> so is this Robolar's family that has a hockey player in the backyard? It's hard to imagine this being Robolar's family because Robolar is from Mars. Sure. And this seems this seems like more of a regular Earth family who loves hockey. And and the, the woman is a real estate agent. So could Robolar be uh, yeah, looking to move to Earth? And so he needs a real estate agent. Oh, yeah. He wanted to come to the source. You know, why wait for rocket ships full of Earth fruit to land on Mars? So now Robolar has arrived just in time for the holidays. What if the only place to live, the only place left to, to rent in town, in this quaint little small town that they always have in these movies, 
is the cottage in the backyard. Ah. And there's only room for one. It's either going to be a journeyman hockey player or Robilar from Mars. And they're going to have to face off one-on-one. On that rink in the backyard that you suggested they should flood it with. Yes. We flooded the backyard. We made an ice skating rink. And now it's Robilar versus hockey guy, one-on-one. Winner takes the cottage, a cottage filled with earth fruit. Exactly. And the hockey player throws the match because he wants to be with the real estate agent and doesn't want to live in the cottage anymore anyway. He's looking to move into the main house. Yeah. (laughs) And can you blame him? I mean, where you see a face-off, I see an opportunity. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, because they they, they do tend to pair off the leads in these movies. And uh, meanwhile, yeah, I don't think Robilar has any designs on this uh, young lady with her real estate business. Robilar seems rather uh, gender neutral, I think. Yes. (laughs) As Martians go, he's just all about the fruits and vegetables piled up in the cottage in back. So yeah, hockey guy throws the game to lose. I like that. That's a good move, (laughs) Cornflake. Nice, nice, uh, happy twist ending. Throws the game so that he can uh, hook up with the girl inside the main house. Yes. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, I like that. That's good. We just fixed checking it twice. Let's move on. The next movie is called Ladies of the 80s. So this is good for us. 80s themed somewhat. Ladies of the 80s, a diva's Christmas. So this is one of those kind of stunt casting movies where they filled the movie with uh, women who were big in the 80s. And these are all names I know, but I don't know that I've ever seen most of these women in anything. But we got Lonnie Anderson, you know, from WKRP in Cincinnati. Of course. I know Lonnie. It's Lonnie Anderson, Morgan Fairchild, Linda Gray, Donna Mills, Nicolette Sheridan. I don't know that I've ever seen any of those other four women in anything, but I remember them being around. I know those names, but I know Lonnie. I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah, WKRP. I met Lonnie Anderson once. Might have been the most exciting thing that ever happened. Anyway, ladies of the 80s, it says, Five glamorous 80s soap opera stars reunite to shoot the final Christmas episode of their long-running soap opera. The producer, Alex, and director, Nell, old college friends, do their best to keep things on the rails. But as the ladies come together, old rivalries resurface that threaten to tear the whole production apart. So I think we can safely assume this this, uh, producer and director, there's your uh, romantic comedy couple, you know. Of course. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of uh, crazy blonde ladies from the 80s. Having some egos, it sounds like. (laughs) It's Ladies of the 80s, A Diva's Christmas. Okay. Oh, also, I should mention it it closes by pointing out the original theme song for the movie is performed by Tiffany. I had a feeling that Tiffany would have something to do with this, and I was surprised you didn't name her off in the cast. But I'm, I'm glad that they thought to include her, because this just sounds like the sort of thing Tiffany should be involved in. Yeah, even if they didn't write it there, we, we would have assumed Tiffany was doing the theme song. So, ladies of the 80s, let's add some new element to this movie, and I'm going to draw right now... Uh, I drew Casey Kasem. Oh, wow. Casey Kasem. Well, we've got five ladies of the 80s here, yep. and uh, Casey likes to count things down as they're, they're all these old rivalries are starting up again. But uh, I, w- I imagine Casey could settle things by just, you know, ranking them all. Like, here's the list. You know... Casey's got the final word. He could, but when I think Casey Kasem, 
I think long distance dedication. Yes, absolutely. And when I think about and a little dog named Snuggles. (laughs) (laughs) Here I go again. Well, here's here's what I'm thinking. If there are a bunch of divas in each other's faces, yeah, what could soothe their angst better than discovering that Casey Kasem has for each of them? A long-distance dedication that was never aired on the radio. Were the dedications all five different Tiffany songs? Yes, in fact. Although I'm not sure I could name five different Tiffany songs. So that'd, be, <laughs> that'd be difficult for me, but I'm sure Casey could do it. I feel bad for whoever gets could have been. I might stall out around three or four Tiffany songs. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to toss in a Debbie song to get up to five. But anyway, Casey could do it. So I like that. Yeah, long-distance dedications for all the ladies of the 80s compliments of... Casey Kasem. And nobody has to know that the couple behind the scenes that was calming everyone down wrote the long distance dedication secretly. Yeah, that's how they got the whole production to uh, run smoothly. It was all through the magic of American Top 40. All right, good call. What happened to those pictures I was supposed to see? Let's move on. Uh, the next movie is called A Christmas Intern. Uh, I picked this one because uh, it's the, the star is a favorite of yours, and that's uh, Jack A. Harry. Oh, nice. From back on 227. You're a fan of Jack A., as I recall. Oh, yeah. All day, every day. Jack A. This has Jack A., a Christmas intern. Oh, and like Tiffany, uh, Jack A. provided an original song for the movie. I feel like something would have been sorely missing had she not. So this is wonderful news to me. That's a treat. With the holidays approaching, Cecilia, played by Jack A. Harry, discovers that retirement isn't all it's cracked up to be. So she decides to make a surprise visit to her daughter, Alexis, who created and runs Cyber Santa, an online gift-giving business. Seizing an opportunity to spend Christmas with her daughter and get back into the game, Cecilia becomes an intern at the startup company, and the two learn the importance of family during the most wonderful time of year. That's a Christmas intern. What do you think? I can't believe they named the place Cyber Santa. <laughs> Cyber, I, I like the idea of Cyber Santa. You know, now I just want a big, scary robot Santa, Cyber Santa. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm ashamed to admit where my mind went with Cyber Santa. <laughs> I'm not even going to the, the mug of uh, weird new things to add yet. I already feel like Cyber Santa could save this movie. Yes. Just by being a scary robot. Uh, Vivica A. Fox is also in this movie, and I know she's somebody else who's famous. I know her from Kill Bill, the Quentin Tarantino oh. martial arts movie with Uma Thurman. That's the only thing I know her from, but she is also in this. She's not the daughter. She's, she's somebody else. I don't know who the daughter is, but this is a Christmas intern. Jack Hay is your Christmas intern battling an evil giant Santa robot, but let's see what else is happening. We have randomly drawn to add to a Christmas intern... Toons is the driving cat from Saturday Night Live. Okay. <laughs> I met Toons is the driving cat at Dragon Con a few years ago. I got in the car being driven by Toons's. And as I recall, we crashed over a cliff and we were killed. So somebody's getting in a car with a cat yeah. and crashing off a cliff and it's going to save Christmas. Right. The question is... Are they trying to escape from Cyber Santa? Oh, there you go. No, no. Cyber Santa is the one who needs a cab. Could Cyber Santa fit into Toons's car? 
Not comfortably. I'm talking but... about a giant Santa robot that's going to destroy us all. And the only way to escape, you call for your Uber, and then tires screeching. <laughs> the car pulls up, and oh no, it's Toonce's. What if you tied Cyber Santa to Toonce's car? And Cyber Santa got dragged out of town and then off a cliff. Jack Kay is the intern. The daughter said, okay, mom, you're the intern now. Here's your assignment. Get us a car so that we can escape from Cyber Santa. <laughs> and now look who Jack Kay hired. Tunes. So things are not going well for Jack Kay as an intern at that point. That could add a little drama to the movie, I think. It could. Or maybe Tunes is the cat and Cyber Santa are working together, just creating chaos and terror throughout the holiday season. And Jack Kay and, and the daughter just have to learn to get along and <laughs> run for their lives. Either way, it's a Christmas intern. All right. Not sure if we fixed this one or not, but we tried. <laughs> Let's move on. We worked with what we were given, Kevin. We're trying, people. Uh, the next movie is called Under the Christmas Sky. That's a very ominous title. It says Cat... K-A-T, Kat is an esteemed astrophysicist who is scheduled for her first trip into space next year until an accident grounds her. While on leave, coming to terms with the reality that her dream of being an astronaut is over, she volunteers at the local planetarium. There, she's paired up with by-the-book David to work on an exhibit opening right before Christmas. By the book is a very unusual first name. <laughs> By the book, David, they call him. We've got this lady. She was going to go into space. Now she's stuck on Earth, working at the planetarium on Christmas. With a stick in the mud. By the book. By the book. Can these two work it out and somehow have a uh, romantic comedy sort of a Christmas? I'm guessing they can. Well, let's find out what the mystery element is, and I think then we'll be able to answer the question. Yeah, this movie is screaming out for some new element to make it a little more interesting. I do like the idea that it's an astronaut. Let's see what we can add to fix this one. I have drawn Ms. Pac-Man. Oh. Didn't see that coming. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> All right, well, they have a planetarium, so immediately it occurs to me you could project a giant Ms. Pac-Man game, you know, on the giant screen of the planetarium. That'd be cool. So you don't see Ms. Pac-Man getting in between the astrophysicist and the by-the-book David, do you? Because that would be a weird love triangle. <laughs> you think this guy, planetarium guy, is suddenly gonna only going to have eyes for Ms. Pac-Man? Wow. Oh, she's cute. Yeah, but what kind of freak are we dealing with? <laughs> He's got a real live astronaut who's who cannot go to Mars and meet Robilar. She's stuck on Earth. But is she wearing a cute bow in her hair? And nothing else like Ms. Pac-Man? <laughs> this guy is obsessed. He's staring up at that screen of the planetarium. Will the astronaut start spending time with uh, Mr. Pac-Man, just trying to make uh, David jealous? I wondered about that. Now, I've seen Christmas Comes to Pac-Land, so they, these, uh, you know, Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man do have a lot of experience in, you know, holiday Christmas shows. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I suppose it would be warmer and happier if Mr. and Ms. Pac-Man wound up together as opposed to Ms. Pac-Man. Well, sure. That would be the predictable way to go, is the Pac-People end up together and the humans end up together. But, you know, 
we're going a different way this this Christmas. A weird, disturbing, inappropriate way. Things are going to be startling and wrong this year. It's under the Christmas sky. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I feel like this is less of a fix and more of running from a dumpster fire that we've created. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. Okay. <laughs> I regret nothing. Up next, we have Christmas Island. Christmas Island. Uh, the plot is when a snowstorm diverts Kate's first private flight en route to Switzerland to Christmas Island. I guess Christmas Island is part of Switzerland. I'm not sure. Uh, she must team up with an air traffic controller to secure her dream job as the family's pilot. This is a terribly constructed sentence, but I think the idea is that uh, uh, this woman, Kate, is a pilot. She's piloting a private plane, trying to win the job. Like, she's going to be this rich family's regular pilot. Their personal pilot, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a snowstorm, and the flight is thrown off course. They're trying to get to Christmas Island, and she's on the radio with an air traffic controller guy, and they're somehow going to fall in love. <laughs> I have to ask one question here, just to make sure I understand, Kevin. Yes. Is Christmas Island the generic knockoff name for the Island of Misfit Toys? That may very well be Christmas Island, yeah. And they, they couldn't call it the Island of Misfit Toys in this particular movie because they didn't have the rights. Yeah, and that's why they're having such a tough time getting there is because they're not supposed to be there. Right. They're not misfit toys. That freaky flying lion has made it very clear that this island is only for misfit toys. <laughs> and so we can't have this rich family trying to land their private jet so they can stay in that weird little cottage where uh, Rudolph and Yukon Cornelius had to shack up together that one weird night. And we're not going to speak of exactly what happened that night with Hermie and whatnot. <laughs> the pilot, uh, Kate... Uh, I've met the actress playing the pilot. Uh, the, uh, Kate, the star of this movie, is Rachel Scarston. Very cool lady. I like her work. She was on. Uh, she was Black Canary on Birds of Prey. Oh, neat. Many years ago. She was a teenager. She was just a kid when they made that. And then she was also in uh, Batwoman uh, just a couple of years back. So she's done a couple of different uh, DC Comics TV shows. But now she's trying to fly to Christmas Island. Which we know is actually the Island of Misfit Toys. It's the Island of Misfit Toys. Let's see what we're going to add to this. We are adding to this movie, Killer Bees. <laughs> <laughs> there go my hopes of making this better. I think, I think we might be able to make this more entertaining, but I don't know if we can make it happily ever after. A swarm of killer bees. Now, are the bees on the Island of Misfit Toys? Or are the bees... Inside the plane. <gasps> or are they in the air traffic control tower? <laughs> <laughs> no. She's on the radio with this dude that she's, you know, falling in love with. And then suddenly you just hear screaming. <laughs> Bees. <laughs> and buzzing. All right. So the conflict is that she can't land on Christmas Island. Yeah. Because the air traffic controller guy, who loves her very much, but has to answer to the rules of the Island of Misfit Toys can't let her land. But if he gets chased out of the tower by killer bees yeah. and stops corresponding, she can land, <laughs> get him on the plane and save him. This is very complicated. Is there any chance that by killer bees, we're talking about the uh, tag team, the killer bees from the WWF back in the 80s? Why not? Probably not. 
let's assume it's a swarm of killer bees and let's say it's both it's actually it's oh. a swarm of killer bees and also it's uh two very large men wearing little striped shorts i feel like king moonracer would allow the tag team the killer bees to live on the island of misfit toys those guys seem yeah. weird enough that they could stay plus they're also qualified to work as air traffic controllers so they take over <laughs> The guy who flies away with the pilot. Absolutely. Okay, so the killer bees are going to live on the island. <laughs> They've made friends with the uh, cowboy that rides the ostrich. And they all live happily ever after. Yeah, m- meanwhile, uh, Rachel Scarston, the black canary, rescues uh, air traffic control dude. She's forgotten all about the rich family in the back of the plane. She doesn't care if she gets the job at all at this point. <laughs> all her dreams are coming true. Right there on Christmas Island. I hope they play the song Christmas Island. As performed by Leon Redbone. That's my favorite. That would be magical. Let's see. Next we have A Merry Scottish Christmas. A Merry Scottish Christmas. A Merry Scottish Christmas. When estranged siblings Lindsay and Brad Morgan travel to Scotland at Christmas to reunite with their mother, Joe, a big family secret is revealed. That's all it says. Just one short sentence. It's a Merry Scottish Christmas. A little bit of stunt casting in this movie. The estranged siblings are played by Lacey Chabert and Scott Wolfe. And uh, I believe they played siblings on the TV series Party of Five back in the day. Oh. A show I did not see. Yeah, it's a show I only ever heard about. Yeah, we have not seen Party of Five, but I believe they were both on Party of Five. I think they were actually siblings. I never saw that show. I know Lacey Chabert from the Lost in Space movie of the late 90s. She played Penny. And I know Scott Wolf from the Nancy Drew series of a couple years back. He played Nancy's father. So I know these actors don't know their old show. Lacey Chabert. I was just talking about Lacey Chabert uh, with Jay over at Rubber Chicken Comics a couple of days ago because he pointed out she makes several Christmas movies a year. I think that seems to be her full-time occupation. Oh, that's her livelihood now. Yeah, she just cranks out these Christmas movies. She's in a lot of them. But this year she's having, among others, <laughs> she's having a merry Scottish Christmas. What do you suppose the big family secret is? That they're not actually siblings. No, it's got to be bigger than that. A big <laughs> family secret is revealed with their mother, Joe. Could that be Joe from Facts of Life? Yeah. It's spelled the same way. Their mother, Joe, just J-O. Strange siblings reuniting with their mother, Joe. A big family secret is revealed. Well, maybe it'll help if we draw a random new element to add to the movie. I have drawn a capybara. <laughs> and this was your suggestion. When we texted yes. earlier earlier today about doing Hallmark movies tonight, this is what you wanted to add. And so I did put it on the list. I appreciate that. Capybara. You know I love those creatures. I'm a big fan of the capybara. It's the world's largest rodent. They live in South America. They are so chill. They're the best. I love those things. Uh, they're not native to Scotland. Well, as far as we know, you wouldn't find them in Scotland, but there is a secret at play here. Yeah. Could a cappy somehow be involved in the big family secret? Now I just want to see a capybara wearing a kilt. <laughs> How about an entire horde of capybaries wearing kilts? <laughs> is that the collective noun for <laughs> For the cappies, it's a horde. A horde of cappies. An angry, drunk, Scottish horde of kilt-wearing cappies. 
and Joe is their ringleader. Joe Polnicek from Facts of Life is in charge of all the capybaries in Scotland. And the big family secret is that uh, Lindsay and Brad are, in fact, capybaries. Yes. Okay. Yes. They had no idea. Yes. That is the holiday special that the people need. <laughs> I would love this movie. I guess this this we might have to make this an animated movie at this point. <laughs> animated kilts for the win. I don't know if on, on the limited budgets of these movies that we could round up that many actual uh, South American giant rodents and uh, fly them over to Scotland. Imagine the musical numbers with drunken, kilt-wearing capybaries at the holidays. Yes, all the music will be provided once again by Tiffany. It'll be great. It's a merry Scottish Christmas. Maybe we could also let Brenda Lee contribute one to this one. Get Brenda in there. We still have a couple more movies to go, so let's get through this. We have A Biltmore Christmas. Lucy Hardgrove is a screenwriter who lands the job of a lifetime when she's hired to pen the script for a remake of the beloved holiday movie classic His Merry Wife, which was filmed in 1947 at the beautiful historic Biltmore House. She unwittingly discovers the ability to travel to the 1947 set of his merry wife through the help of an hourglass. So this is a time-traveling movie now. She's traveling back to the 1940s. Okay. And then she gets involved with uh, one of the film's stars in the past and sets off a chain of events that put the production in jeopardy. The production and all of time and space. If oh, yeah. Yeah. She's disrupting the entire space-time continuum by going back yes. to the 1940s. What a festive thing for her to do. <laughs> at the Biltmore Hotel where she's trying to make a movie. The reason I made a note of this one is that I don't recognize the names of the uh, the two leads in it, but also on the cast list, Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek Next Generation. There we go. Yeah. And Robert Picardo from Star Trek Voyager, The Doctor. Nice. So again, a little bit of stunt casting, as they often do in these Christmas movies. We've got two Trek guys on board, and there's time travel involved. This is like Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, where they go save, save the <laughs> whales, right? We're traveling back in time. Let's see what else we can add to this movie to make it even goofier. We are, Well, speaking of the Island of Misfit Toys, <laughs> we are adding to this movie. Probably should have added it to the last movie. We're adding... Charlie in the Box. Oh. Your sentry standing guard on the Island of Misfit Toys. Now, would this this would be Charlie, uh, I guess, in the past, in the 1940s, at the production of a uh, holiday movie. Charlie Chaplin in the Box? It's Charlie Chaplin in the Box, yes. Going back to the silent movie era. <laughs> That'd be pre-1940s. But uh, Charlie in the Box, a grizzled Hollywood veteran, certainly. We've got Star Trek guys. And Ensign Charlie in the Box. We've got Charlie in the Box. He is an Ensign now <laughs> aboard the Enterprise, and they're traveling back to the 1940s. This whole movie could just be like a holodeck simulation. Yes. That could be the big reveal at the end, that she didn't uh, destroy space and time. She only thought she did because she didn't understand how the holodeck worked. Yeah, she's in the holodeck with Charlie in the Box. Like we all wish we were at the holidays. <laughs> If you were going to switch out, like, if, if we were going to cast Charlie in the Box on Next Generation, like, would Charlie play Data? Would he play Geordi, Worf? Where, where would you like to place Charlie on board the Enterprise? Maybe this is a little too on the nose, but I'd kind of love to see Charlie on the Box as Q. Oh, interesting. The all-powerful, chaotic 
Charlie in the box. <laughs> Charlie in the box. What do you think? Where would you place him? I would make Charlie play Deanna Troy. There you go. Talking about feelings. Yeah. Season one, Deanna Troy in the little cheerleader skirt. That'd be perfect. <laughs> so Charlie would have a more revealing box is what you're saying. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie in the box has never been so sexy. I think the movie A Built More Christmas is about to uh, pick up a whole new weird audience. It will boldly go where no Charlie in the Box has gone before. It's become a huge hit. Okay, there's one movie left. Final movie on our list to fix is called Miracle in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. You've been to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I have been to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, yes, but I didn't get to star in a Christmas movie. Now's your chance. But again, I, I like the gimmick of, hey, there's a Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, let's set a Christmas movie there. There isn't any chance that you're in that cup, like the name Kevin, and you're going to pull that out, and you're going to be the mystery element. It, I've been to Bethlehem, so it's possible. I, I didn't see any cameras around me when I was there, but maybe I'm unwittingly appearing in this movie. Let's see. It says, successful and fiercely independent, Marianne Brubeck adopts a baby girl to raise on her own just before Christmas. Due to weather, she and the baby get stuck in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for the holidays. When there is no room at the inn, her only option is to stay with the innkeeper's brother, Joe a quintessential bachelor who lives in a house that he treats like a barn. What? Wow. Is this lady's adopted baby girl like the new Messiah? Is that what they're <laughs> suggesting? <laughs> She's in Bethlehem, no room at the inn, and now staying uh, with uh, this dude's brother, Joe. Yeah, which means you have to have Joan Osborne as part of the soundtrack and have What, what If God Was One of Us. <laughs> Brother Joe lives in a barn. Joe and Mary. Joseph and Mary. Okay. Okay, this is a little on the nose. See that? Yeah. Wow, they are not being subtle. No, they are not. <laughs> I didn't even notice that part. Good catch. It's Joe and Mary. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is pretty horrifying. Uh, Bethlehem, by the way, a lovely town. I've been there a couple of times. I've spent some time there. Very, very lovely town. I do recommend swing through Bethlehem, Pennsylvania sometime. You will enjoy it. But maybe not when this is happening. This no. is some kind of horrifying abomination of a movie is unfolding before us. Uh, we should also say uh, I have met the star of this movie also. Uh, Mary is played by Laura Vandervoort. And I met Laura a few years ago, very briefly. Laura played Supergirl on Smallville. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was also in uh, the remake of uh, V a few years back as one of the scary alien people. So she's had some cool parts in her time. There's only one slip of paper here left to uh, fix these movies. So the final thing that we're going to inject into a, a Christmas movie, Cornflake, is... Here to save Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, we're going to add the Harlem Globetrotters. Well, that is a relief. <laughs> How so? What do you think? I think if anything's going to make this movie better, it's the Harlem Globetrotters. Because if you're just stuck in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania in a snowstorm, you're going to need some entertainment. Especially if the place you're staying is run like a barn. They're stuck in a barn. Here come the Globetrotters. That music starts. Yep. The whistling. 
I've been to Harlem Globetrotters games. It, it's been about 40 years, at least, probably more. <laughs> but they're still out there. I've, I went about 20 years ago. Wow. Okay. You've seen them much more recently than I have then. Yes. I've seen their cartoons. They've been to Gilligan's Island. That's true. That's one of your all-time favorite things. They played basketball against a team of robots on Gilligan's Island. So the Globetrotters are, are no strangers to miracles. They've been through a lot over the years. They've been cartoon superheroes. They've played against robots. They've done it all. Now they're in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We've got Deadbeat Joe living in a barn. And then we have Supergirl <laughs> moving into the barn with her baby. Yeah, I like the idea that it, if Joe is going to try to get his act together and uh, do some renovating. Mary and the baby could go see the miracle that is the Harlem Globetrotters. Build it out so it's like a an arena. Oh, Kind of like a field of dreams, but for basketball, build it and the Harlem Globetrotters will come. This could be the <laughs> Christmas and basketball equivalent of field of dreams. Yes. <laughs> what a twist. What a pivot. Where No, never mind the, uh, the, the baby girl. We don't care if this is <laughs> a new god on earth or not. <laughs> we only care. The miracle is going to be, <laughs> we're going to make a, a nice new basketball court for the, for the Globetrotters to play. That's perfect. We're obsessed, just like Kevin Costner was. That would be so festive. Out there in the cornfield. Yeah. All right. I like that. We don't care that we're in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary, the barn, no room at the inn. Forget all that. <laughs> we're just going to play basketball against robots. It's a miracle. A miracle in Bethlehem. All right, Cornflake, that is, uh, that's about all we can do. We can't fix everything. We just fixed eight movies. Yeah. And unless you're living in front of your television 24-7, that should get you through the holidays just fine. That's plenty. That should be plenty, people. How many of these are you going to watch? Just eight. Just watch these eight. Right. Just watch these eight. You won't regret it. Only watch the ones that we fixed. You're welcome. All right. This has gone on long enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's time to conveniently walk away from these movies we just fixed. We've done a lot of damage. Now we're going to get out of here before anybody notices. Cornflake, get us out of here. All right. Well, to keep your season merry and bright, head over to flopcast.net. You can check out the show notes there, among other things. You'll also find us at facebook.com slash flopcast. On Mastodon, universodon.com slash at flopcast. I hear Mastodon is especially lovely this time of year. You'll also find us on Instagram, the underscore flopcast. We would love it if you head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and or a review. Music for the Flopcast is written and performed by the Sponge Awareness Foundation. Just a reminder, the original lineup of the Sponge Awareness Foundation, Lonnie Anderson, Morgan Fairchild, Linda Gray, Donna Mills, Nicolette Sheridan. That's true. Cornflake, thanks for joining me to make this little Christmas miracle a reality. A little more holiday talk coming up next week, I believe. We have something special planned, which shall also be quite festive. Meanwhile, everybody, please be safe, be kind, be silly, and we'll see you next week. Peace and cookies. Hey, Leah. Hey, Sean. You know what now's a good time for? What's that? A promo for the Soul Forge podcast. The Soul Forge? What's that? Oh, it's a show. It's a podcast all about sex and dating. Love and relationships. Pop culture and movie reviews. Adventure. Almost anything you can think of. 
Definitely. What is it? The Soul Forge. The Soul Forge Podcast. Think about it. All right, Cornflake. Now here we are in the secret after show. What's going on? I have a long overdue update on my progress with laundromat trivia. Oh, good. Yes, you go to a laundromat where there are trivia questions and you always know the answer and you win fabulous prizes. I do, or at least a little discount off of my my dry cleaning. But okay. as you know, you've known me for years. <laughs> I'm going to say four years, three years, four <laughs> years. We go way back. Yes. You and, and anyone who knows me knows this. Uh, I'm not good. I'm terrible at trivia. But for whatever reason, I have been knocking it out of the park at laundromat trivia. When dry cleaning is involved, suddenly... I know everything. You come alive. It's like I'm in the Matrix. (laughs) I know trivia. Well, big announcement. My run has come to an end. Uh Uh-oh. You were stumped? I was stumped by a Christmas question. Ah. And so let's see if you can guess this. Oh, okay. You're going to pose a dry cleaner <laughs> trivia question to me. Holiday you. trivia question to me. Okay. This is terrifying. Let's see if I can earn myself a dry cleaning discount right now. Let's see if you can do it. Have you been deputized by the uh, the dry cleaner laundromat to pass along this discount if someone can answer the question correctly? Yeah, I have to do it under the table, but I can make it happen. <laughs> okay. Let's right. go. So, of all of the states in the United States. Yep. And this is going to be multiple choice question. Which state was the first state to officially make Christmas a holiday? Was it A, North Carolina, B, Connecticut, C, Alaska, or D, Alabama? All right. I'm going to eliminate Alaska because that has not been a state as long as the other ones. Uh, Connecticut almost seems too obvious. Alabama... Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go my own way. And because we just discussed the movie, the, the uh, beloved holiday classic Miracle in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, I'm going to say it's a trick question and the answer is Pennsylvania. How'd you get it, Kevin? I was completely stumped. <laughs> it was Alabama. Did I win the free uh, dry cleaning? Uh, because it's the it's the most generous time of year. Yes, you did. I'm going to get everything I own martinized. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.